Shall we uh, Shall we start the show? Let's do it. Start the show. This is the show. Welcome to uh, Talking for No Good Reason. This is our, what, uh, sixth episode? Something like that. I can't keep it straight. I can't that's either. That's up to you. Uh, and that's good because we've – this is like our uh, – this is our – yeah, I suppose I am – in 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 quasi charge of things. Yeah, uh, that that's how I see it. Uh, how how is how is the coffee you just spent? Um, okay, so like, like half an hour making. <laughs> well, I, I was uh, well. We won't talk about what else I was doing in, in that half hour, but um, uh, it, that it, sounds scandalous. It, but it's it's good. Uh, I got some Trader Joe's coffee uh, on my you know weekly. Sunday afternoon trip to Trader Joe's, and uh, it's a lovely, As, like we talked about last week, medium medium roast uh, that I got for six dollars, and it's it's handsomely uh, lasted the uh, four days I've had it so far. I think I'm going to make it probably the whole week. Amazingly, it's like fourteen ounces of coffee. Wow, yeah. I am. Uh, I also made myself a cup of coffee, uh, Keurig though, because I'm much less fancy and I want my coffee now. Yeah, yeah. Mine, mine took. Uh, and I'm also. I, I, and I'm also drinking a uh, a Lacroix. Ah, well, aren't you hipster enough? Speak. It's so true. Speaking of hipster, so today I received my my first pair of Warby Parker sunglasses, which I you know had previously done the the five day uh, five pair home try on. Because uh, you know, I, right. I have my regular, you know, eyeglasses that I use to just see in daily life uh, from Warby Parker, and I needed to get some sunglasses because I'm going to be spending some time uh, in the Atacama Desert in in, in Chile, uh, and also uh, going to be driving across the country this summer. So I need, you know, I feel like I need to protect my eyes. Slash, I just forgot how nice it was to have sunglasses. Are you not a sunglasses wearer usually? I, I used to be, but then like, and then I didn't because I started wearing regular glasses. And then, so I had to get like, I would have had to have gotten prescription sunglasses too. So that just right. became a whole hassle, but now it's a hassle because I have to, you know, take off my regular eyeglasses and then put on my sunglasses. <laughs> and then when I go inside, I have to make sure I have like my regular eyeglasses with me as well so it's a whole process but overall i'm glad that i got them they are wonderful polarized i got it they're polarized 100 uv protection i look like ozzy osbourne in them and uh <laughs> got got it for 250 bucks like ozzy so. well that that is that is wonderful. It's a good deal it's a good deal would i am would so, highly recommend. so happy for you there there you go it's a shame that Warby Parker doesn't sponsor us. I know. We, we yeah, where we need to we, you need to get on that. <laughs> it it would be it would be at this point it would be a, a a bad business decision for Warby Parker to give us money to talk about them. Yeah. <laughs> there just simply aren't enough people listening. That that is true. Do you hear that listeners? It's your fault. Yeah. It's your Thank fault you. that Warby Parker won't sponsor us. Ah. Uh. Well, blaming listeners now. I mean, the people that listening are not the fault. Okay, so I have some. Uh, should we? Uh, should we get yeah, down to things? Let's get down to things. Let's get. Let's get ready to get down. Let's do it. Um, so I have, I have five topics. Four of them are uh, uh, one word, and the other one is a little more in depth. 
Okay. Uh, would you like me to read and then you can and then you can decide? Yes, let's go for it. Uh, classes for fall. Bigfoot. S Town. Nosebleeds. And then the final one, which is a little longer and may take a little explanation. Open letters slash the Odyssey dot com. Uh, transitioning that into a bigger conversation about a low barrier to entry and the general uselessness of most of the internet. What are you interested in? Okay, so, um, so let's let's talk about classes for fall real quick. Um, so okay. you you have a pretty interesting schedule. Um, I do. Um, so <laughs> yeah, talk about that. So, uh, and, and I, I don't know. Uh, what other people's experiences have been in college trying to register for classes, uh, no matter what college you go to. I know that my experience, and yours will be very different going to the Honors College, but my experience uh, is that registration is always a complete shit show um, in trying to get classes and things. Um, so this is actually the first the first time in two years that my registration has gone anywhere uh, close to, to, to well. <laughs> Uh, usually, 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 you know, you've, you've planned out a beautiful schedule of all the classes you need to take. Uh, and then all of those classes are full by the time you, by the time you go to actually register Naturally. for them. Uh, so yeah, so this, this, uh, this semester will be my first semester, uh, with the declared, uh, minor in sociology and also my first semester, uh, in the college of public health at USC. So I am taking, um, uh, a class I'm really uh, interested and excited about, uh, the Introduction to Speech Language Pathology and Audiology. That that does sound fascinating. Uh, which which goes towards, uh, which is for credit in public health. Um, and I'm really interested to, to, you know, to get an introduction to that because uh, I wish I could speak more intelligently about it right now, but I, I'm, I'll be real honest, I don't know a whole lot. Well, that's why you're taking uh, the class, right? Exactly. And then, uh, you know, next semester, it's going to look like I am a sociology major because I'm taking one public health class uh, and three sociology classes. So I'm taking the, uh, oh, wow. the sociology of families. I am taking global population issues and I'm taking sociology of the paranormal. I've heard which, that's uh, a great just class. From the, short, from the short blurb that I've read about this class. Uh, and and the name, I'm super excited to to, to take this class. Uh, I'm apparently, almost, uh, the the. Uh, I'm almost 100 certain that my my roommate Harry took that class because he was a he was also a sociology minor when he was in school. Really? Yeah. And uh, I need to talk to Harry. And about uh, yeah, I'm fairly certain he took uh, sociology of the paranormal. I've, I've heard stories. I hope that Harry's listening. Yeah, Harry, if you're listening, uh, we love you, Harry. We do. But yeah, anyway, apparently in that class, um, we look into like uh, UFOs and ESP and some X Files shit, crazy things like that. Some conspiracy theories. Yeah, I'm super excited um, uh, about all of that. And I'm also, uh, I'm not sure if I'm actually going to go through with it, but I have, uh, I have racquetball on my schedule for next for next semester as well as this semester because that was just a, it was an, it was a uh, an enjoyable experience. That that is that does sound like a good time. Uh, so all in all, everything has uh, everything has gone swimmingly this semester. Um, tried to get an override into a different uh, public health class, wasn't able to do it, but that's fine. The beautiful thing about the public health major, uh, and it's not this way for a lot of science-based majors, um, you can take a lot of the classes in whatever order you want. Oh. There's no like 
official progression. That's really nice. Which is really, it's really convenient. Um, which also means that I was able to transfer in as a as a sophomore second semester and not lose any credits and still be able to graduate in four years. Wow. Yeah, that's that that's pretty great. That's pretty unheard of too. Um, it, it really is, and I and I'm super grateful for that. Uh, so, what about you? What are your uh, what are your classes looking like? So, okay, one, you left out one important detail, and that is uh, that your classes are only on Tuesday, Thursday. So you, I did leave out one important detail. Uh, yeah, they are only on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Uh, so I'm taking so that's uh, great. five <laughs> classes, Tuesdays and Thursdays. I, I begin at 8.30, and I have no breaks until 5.40. Uh, wow. That just sounds uh, yeah, sounds like that's, uh, pure happiness and joy. But I mean, you know, I get and you know, I mean, I'm excited about all I these mean, classes. I'm also taking uh, Introduction to Economics. Okay, yeah, Econ. What two? I got I got to check econ it off. Two twenty five. Yeah, or? yeah, two twenty four. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's that should be interesting. That that's just like basic basic macro, right? Or I think it's just overview of economics okay yeah so for my classes in the fall i'm uh i'm really excited about all of them um i'm taking uh speech uh, contemporary uh contemporary moral issues so uh, that's the speech class and sort of we're going to be i imagine uh you know giving giving speeches about <laughs> contemporary moral issues what, so you know what uh what class code is that uh it's speech 213 so as far as I know, um, I've talked to some other people who have taken this class. We're we'll dealing with things like gay marriage, abortion, um, and you know a bunch of other contemporary social issues that are you know people also sort of view as like moral issues, and uh, and sort of how that interacts with like politics and policy, and sort of like speaking about that intelligently and looking at both sides of each argument. Um, so I'm I'm super excited about that class. And then yeah, that sounds really interesting. I took a I took a speech one forty last semester, uh, and honestly, you know, it's it's a, it's a basic level class. I think everybody has to take everyone has, everyone to, take has to take a, take a speech, speech class, class yeah. of some form. Uh, which honestly, I think is such a great requirement to have uh, for all college students, all everyone graduating from the university having to have taken some kind of speech class. Um, yeah, that's one of the best classes I've ever taken. You know, it was like I think it was maybe fifteen people. Oh, that's great! Uh, and our professor was our professor was was fabulous. You know, he um on the first day of class he showed us a clip uh, from Dead Poets Society. Uh huh. The uh, have you seen that? I you know what I I'm ashamed to say that I have not. <laughs> you have not seen it? okay, but there's this there's this fabulous scene where where he uh, where Robin Williams' character is trying to like rally his students uh, and he just starts chanting seize the day uh, i know and, i know the scene he showed us this video clip i'm sure you do it's very famous and and our professor shows this 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 clip at the end of at the at the on the first day of class and he says and this is the kind of professor i'd like to be <laughs> and on the and on the very last day of class he gave us a a off the cuff uh sort of life charge speech wow and I am not one to get sappy about those kind of things, but it was uh, it was compelling and beautiful, and I will remember it as long as I live. That sounds lovely. Um, wait, so who is your next class? Who is the professor? 
Uh, Jason Williamson? I'm taking from Jason. Yes. Really? Ah, oh, he's the best. I uh, Yeah, I looked at his uh, Rate My Professor score, and he had a pretty great one. So I am... Uh, he really, he really is fabulous. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and then my my other classes are all film and television related, uh, which is going to be okay. interesting because um, the amount of writing that goes into each, into each one of these. So I'm taking uh, Tarantino, which is uh, uh, sort of a lower level graduate class on 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 Tarantino's films and the film scores in in Tarantino's works. Uh, so it's co-taught by a media industries, uh, professor and a school of music professor. So which school of music professor, uh, Julie Hubbard. Uh, so her focus is in, is in film scores. And so I'm really, really excited, uh, to take that class and, um, and sort of, you know, dive really deep into, uh, into sort of this concept of auteurism, which I've, personally find really problematic as an aspiring producer because we all know that nothing would happen without the producer. Um, can you, can you define that for me? What? Autor? I'm not, I'm not sure what that means. Yeah. So autorism is sort of the, the concept uh, that the author of a film is the film's director. Um, which it basically it's the French word for author, uh, auteur. Um, okay. So it's just sort of this idea that, that everything comes down to the director sort of and the director's vision, um, which we all know is not accurate because of the various departments and department heads that have, uh, you know, a lot of say in what actually happens and how it's done. And, and obviously the producer has a very important role. Basically, it's this sort of idea that, you know, film is just, you know, comes down to like one person's, you know, vision, um, which in, you could certainly argue in some cases that that is accurate for maybe one director, and that would be Stanley Kubrick, um, who, you know, produced, directed, and produced, directed, wrote, and DP'd his films, which, you know, those are the key creative roles. Um, and he, he really truly did have a, a hand in, in every aspect of, of his film. So, uh, but it's still like, it's, I, I it's think still going to be very I interesting to, argue, to I take. I think you could argue that, you could argue that of Tarantino too. I think, I think so, which is, uh, which is why I'm sort of, I'm interested to, to take it and, and see. I think I'm, I may, I may throw that on the topic list. That's, that's an interesting thing to, uh. That would be an interesting thing to really delve into. Yeah, uh, a lot of uh, the film and media studies people uh, uh, hate auteurism, but directors love it. So it's uh, and, and producers also hate it because it's uh, it's just it's wrong. It's not right uh, because they want to f- they want to feel special. Exactly. Um, so wait, uh, hang on. I'm just making sure about something. No, I can't remember. I'm pretty sure I'm taking from Jason in the speech class, but anyway, so the next class I'm taking is uh, television writing taught by Northrop Davis, who is actually, I've heard, I've not heard it directly from him, but that he has sold a script in the past couple of years to David Cameron, 
um, who we, you know, we all know directed Titanic and Avatar and right. many other films. Um, so, also is a uh, is a submarine is a, is a submariner. He is. He is indeed. Um, Went down to the bottom of the uh, Marianas Trench. So I'm really looking forward to that and sort of you know how how television writing is is very different from you know film writing or really any other form of writing because you're you're having to work in plot lines that are going to be contained within one episode, but also planting seeds for plot lines that are you know going to be happening across episodes. And so it's, it's just a really interesting form of, of writing. Uh, and then lastly, I'm taking complex television, uh, which is, you know, uh, basically deals with these like modern TV shows that are actually, and this actually also has to do with the concept of auteurism, um, that, uh, television is becoming much more, um, individualized and, and much more, uh, narrow and a term that we use in film studies, uh, and, uh, you know, outside of that to media industry studies, uh, narrow casting. So instead of this concept of broadcasting, uh, which, you know, literally was for the masses as we're now in this sort of, uh, era of narrow casting where we, um, sort of market to a very, uh, niche market. Uh, so, uh, versus like in the multi-channel era, I mean, in the, in the classical era, you know, you only had CBS, ABC, and NBC, and they had to market to the widest possible audiences. But now with streaming and cable and other forms of, you know, TV, uh, it's much easier to, to have a narrower market. Um, so we're going to be dealing with shows like Breaking Bad, Mr. Robot, uh, Stranger Things, um, all these sort of like complex shows that are. I bet that um, that uh, Doctor Horrible's sing along blog will also come up. I what? I'm, I'm not familiar. Uh, I haven't watched it. It's a it's a Josh uh, a Joss Whedon. Oh yeah, he does some really Joss stuff. Whedon thing. Um, it was only on the internet. I, I don't. I don't. Again, I don't know it that well, but. Uh, it was it was a, it was a sing along thing, a musical. Okay, but it was it was very early in internet promoted uh, media. Okay. Also, to the end, uh, uh, you you referenced Breaking Bad there, and you also referenced television writing in those in those last two classes. Have you watched the uh, Tested dot com talking room interview between Adam Savage and? Vince Gilligan. Uh, what's his name? Vince Gilligan. I have you watched it? I have. It is wonderful and amazing, and I just love Vince Gilligan. <laughs> he, he's, I, uh, I put that. I put that in show notes because that's definitely a thing. Uh, if if you're at all interested in um, in television writing and television production, that's a fabulous conversation. The one anecdote that he tells in there that really sticks out in my mind uh, in reference to television writing is. Uh, in in the first season, they're 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 set dressing Jesse's garage. Jesse, yeah, yeah. right. They're, I again, I I haven't made it past the first season ever. <laughs> we can talk about that later. But they're set dressing his garage, and they're trying to figure out what what uh, what a guy like Jesse would have in his garage. So they got they put a motorcycle in there, and they put a you know like a motorcycle lock on it. 
which was the thing that which was the object that um that Walter eventually ends up uh imprisoning what's the guy's name Crazy 8 imprisoning Crazy 8 and then killing him without having to look at him right yeah absolutely and how they how they they took this completely arbitrary thing and ended up ended up being a huge plot point later on which is something that you can do with television that you can't do with uh with you know movies right you it's it's a bit more of an organic storytelling experience and, and it can can happen that way and and that's sort of what we're going to be talking about in this in this class complex tv is like how you know tv is be actually becoming much more cinematic and and actually sort of losing this quality of like the televisual narrative um which is you know, is TV like actually different from film and, and then how is it different and why? And, you know, in this era where we don't actually have to stream it over, you know, the airwaves, you know, you know, what are the possibilities with it now? So sort of like, you know, what Francis Ford Coppola is trying to do with like live cinema and, and then like TV. That'll be, uh, that'll be interesting to hear about and you'll have to, uh, you'll have to bring that back to the podcast. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. talk about it. Um, so yeah, those, those are my classes. So, uh, it's, well, uh, speaking of, uh, of of evolving formats of storytelling and writing, yes, can we spend a few minutes and talk about S Town? Absolutely. Um, now, what epi- what episode are so you? So I just started. I think the th- I started chapter three today. Um, finished chapter two. I'm into chapter three. And okay, so if you haven't listened past, uh, if you haven't listened past chapter three. Uh, you should you should turn this off, and I will put into show notes the uh, the time code so that you can skip forward. I don't. Maybe we just shouldn't spoil it at all. Yeah, maybe let's just talk about it let's let's talk generally. I think we can talk about this in sort of broad strokes. Yeah, I think so. Um, so um, so you're on the third episode. Do you find it super compelling? I find it absolutely incredibly compelling. Um, just the show goes by really quickly and all of the details seem really, really important. And it reminds me a lot of serial in some ways, just actually in a much more, I don't know, in a much more digestible way. Um, because, well, I mean, it is, it is the same, right. I mean, it's, it's, it's some of the same, people. right. It's, it's produced by, uh, this, you know, the same producers who did serial, um, and, and you know it's from this American Life NPR and all that. Uh, it's it's really great. It's it's amazing how long they've worked on this project. I think over six coming up on six years is when like this all started uh, six years ago. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's about the small southern town. Yeah, I think town the actual in I think the actual interviewing processes have only been like the past two years. Um. Okay. Was at least the way that I understood it listening to it. I might be wrong. Okay. But yeah, it's it's a, it follows it's it's a story it really in if we're going to talk about this in broad strokes, it's a story about small southern towns and how and, they cover up and the humanity of them. And the what? And the humanity of a small southern town. It's sort of the way that I and it and it does it does change drastically. Uh, the the sort of the sort of uh, the themes and things throughout the the run of the of the seven episodes, so I don't want to spoil too much for you. 
but I would say by the end, the big theme uh, for me at least was putting faces to these um, stereotypical Southern ideas. Yes, yeah, I, I'm already starting to see that and, sort of come come out in uh, in just these first couple of episodes. So that's and and both. Sorry, uh, yeah, I mean it, it's really interesting, especially you know we're we're both from small Southern towns, and uh, this exactly. and so which is why we can probably you know, understand, you know, some of it so much, but I think the way that, you know, the, the show's host sort of talks about these people, these characters, you know, I mean, well, they're not characters, they're people. Um, right. It's, it, it really humanizes them in a way that I don't think a lot of the rest of the country sort of views the, you know, what we would say like this, a, a Southern stereotype is, um, so I don't know. It's doing some really interesting things in terms of like, you know, yeah, looking at, at the humanity of, of certain types of Southerners. Absolutely. And I think that uh, there it, it, very easily it could have turned into, you know, here are the Southern stereotypes and here's these people playing into those Southern stereotypes. Yeah. Um, but I think it does a really beautiful job of 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 providing some context for – uh, for the South outside of the South. Yes, absolutely. And I think it, it had to, for that to, and I'm really glad that people are, are listening to it. And I think it had to be, it had to be a guy from New York that works for NPR. Yeah. Relating that story to provide some, some context into, you know, what, what would, what I could best describe, describe as, as the dirty South to, to reference the drive by truckers. Absolutely, which we're seeing them a week it's, a it's, week from uh, yesterday. A week from yesterday, yeah, I'm very excited about that. Uh, so, yeah, if you haven't listened to S Town, absolutely go listen to S Town. Uh, yeah, phenomenal. It's, it's, You'll it's not regret it. It will draw you in. It's worth your it's worth your seven hours. One hundred percent. You know, and most of us spend at least seven hours driving a week. <laughs> so, uh, if you're, if, I certainly do. If you're, if you're in your car, uh, definitely. Definitely throw it on there and uh, and listen to it. I mean, pretty much the, within the first like twenty minutes of the first episode, you'll be hooked. Yeah, I mean, within like the first five minutes for me, I was like, "Wow, what is uh, what is going on? This is insane." Uh, the the metaphor that he used with the clocks, and this isn't giving anything away, um, and the and the sort of the symbolism uh, of that, and sort of how it relates to the overall story itself of, of like time and clocks and all of that. But that first story about the antique clock, um, is, that's what really drew me in because I wasn't sure where I was going, uh, with it, with that introduction, but it, it definitely, uh, has exceeded my expectations. Now, you haven't gotten to this yet and this will not spoil anything for anyone. Um, but, uh, John B. McElmore's chemistry professor in college is now, and he's interviewed later on in the in the run of the of the of the show. Mm-hmm. Is now the chancellor at USC Upstate. Really, really, that is interesting. Okay, I, I'm I'm very tempted to send him an email because he has uh, some clocks that John B. Macklemore built in his office. Oh wow! And I really want to see them. So I'm I'm very tempted to send him an email. You you should honestly. 
um, I think that's I think that's a good place to. Uh, I feel like if we talk anymore, we're going to. I agree. It. So yeah, we should move on. So I have uh, I have I have two topics. All right. Left. One one of them could be weird and fun, and the other one could be also weird and fun, but also a little bit serious. Uh, uh, nosebleed and open letters slash the odyssey dot com. Okay, yeah. I, wh- what are you, you, like what are you talking about with with that? Let's let's talk about that. Okay, so I'm on Facebook uh, the other day, and uh, some uh, one of my friends has shared an article from the Odyssey dot com. Are you familiar with the Odyssey? Indeed. Um, could could you describe could you describe that for someone who doesn't doesn't know what it's like what it is? Yeah, I mean, uh, the Odyssey is basically uh, uh, sort of like a parody website that. Wait, am I thinking of the Onion? I'm totally thinking of the Onion right now. Um. You, you are thinking of the Onion. The uh, hold on, let me here. Let me uh, let me let totally me just watch that. By the way, and I will read it. Um. Uh, yeah, that was no, no, no. That's the Onion. The Onion is the. Uh, is this is the sarcastic news? Yes, website. Uh, that that is that's, okay. that's the one that I was thinking. But the Odyssey, the Odyssey is Odyssey. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Democ- wow, I can't talk today. Democratizes. Democratizes. Democrat- Democratizes. Thank you. Wow. <coughs> Lord, Odyssey. <laughs> <laughs> Odyssey democratizes content. Exposing people to broader, more honest perspectives on topics they care about. That sounds like bullshit. Doesn't it just? So basically, the Odyssey is where um, it's it's community-driven, so people can – anyone can write for the Odyssey. Uh, and let's see here. The community decides what content goes on Odyssey based on what's important to them, not on uh, what sells more media. Contributors write long-form articles and create videos on what matters to them and share them organically across their social networks. What you see represents nothing other than authentic ideas that the community deems important. So it's like uh, socialized news. Uh, <laughs> no? It's no? more like um, – no, it's uh, let me let me keep reading and then we can get into this a little deeper. Okay, uh, spend time and make it personal is the next headline in their about us page. Spend time with content you really care about. Odyssey's relevance engine shows you content. Relevance engine. They're promoting synergy. Shows you content because it's one suggesting you might like it based on your behavior. Two shared organically across your community, or three related to an article you've read, or four simply what you choose to follow. The next headline is, get it from all sides. Open up to new perspective and ideas and enrich your life. More people openly contributing content means more opportunities to discover new, diverse opinions and ideas from thousands of writers in local communities around the world. A 360-degree view. The final headline, balance means quality. A million ideas refined for better reading. Odyssey combines the best of both worlds, the opportunity for fair contribution with the guidance of a team of seasoned editors, not to mention a community of your peers to, to deliver more fulfilling content. Okay. What do you make of that? 
Um, well, again, I think this kind of goes back to this uh, this sort of idea of uh, of narrow casting, and uh, I think we've talked about this before. Is that it's much easier now for you to sort of get pigeonholed into um, sort of only consuming the news or consuming the types of shows or consuming articles that uh, sort of mesh with uh, your ideological perspectives on the world, and um, and that is problematic. Um, and I think yeah, we've we've definitely talked about this before. So. I understand what they're trying to do, but uh, it, it also doesn't necessarily allow for uh, for other you know things to get in if it's democratized like that. You know, um, I, I do, and I think that I, I I agree that they're that what they're attempting to do is a great idea. But it's the it's the problem, especially right now, and, and it's becoming more and more of a problem. It has been for years that everyone has a blog, everyone, and everyone has a podcast. And you and I are someone that has a podcast. Yep, we have a podcast, and and we're talking about this on the internet. So we're part of the problem. Let's let's just get that out in the open right now. Here we are. But everyone uh, – and, and this was sort of the bigger conversation that I wanted to get into. You know, I don't have a problem with the Odyssey.com. I've read some fine articles there. Um, but the problem is that there's such a low barrier to entry to disseminate information oh, now. yeah. <laughs> and it hasn't been – you know, that, and that sounds great. And I think in a lot of ways it is good. But there, it's, it's much too easy – to have a very loud voice on the internet without having anything to say. Does that make sense? I, I think so. You're, you're talking about sort of these people that continuously pop up on your Facebook feed who are always like ranting about, you know, how terrible you know the state of affairs is in our country or something like that. Like, is that sort of... Well, it's... it's Because like... It's, it's not even that, but, but like think about a, a pre-internet time. And of course, you and I, I think, I think we count as digital natives. Right? Not, I mean, uh, yeah, so, I guess sort of. Might might as well. Yeah, we 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 can. I I remember a time when when the, there was not a computer in our house, right. but but pretty much since I've been cognizant and looking for information, I've had a computer in the internet. Um, but pre-internet, if you had information you wanted to you wanted to disseminate among large groups of people. You you would have had to get picked up by a, a newspaper or a magazine or run a TV commercial right. or write a letter to the editor or handed out flyers, yeah, letter to the editor or or handed you know hand out flyers outside of your local grocery store, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that takes that takes work, and in order to get in a newspaper, ostensibly your ideas have to be good. Yeah, you or at least productive. You would think. <laughs> Right. But the problem with this is anyone can start a blog that looks official and is well formatted and, you know, aesthetically pleasing that just has no useful information on right. it. Right. No no actual value. And perhaps and perhaps even uh harmful information. Right, right. Um 
No, I see it, it is it's interesting because I I think that you know giving you know the internet has definitely given a voice to people that have not you know traditionally been able to or you know who have traditionally had a voice in society and in some ways that's great um, but it, it's also really problematic because if those voices aren't being productive or you know adding to um, you know, you know the good, the general good of of society or, or our culture at large. Then you know what what value does it really have? And then does it need to be more difficult to sort of get your information out there? Um, but and this this is also interesting because you know the internet is not regulated, um, and exactly, and that's really interesting too. And I I'm all for it being unregulated. I think that's great. Um, it just, yeah, I mean, I, I would never want the, I would never want it to be regulated, but uh, there's a certain level of, like, self-regulation that we're not even getting, <laughs> you know? Right, and and here's, I, I actually, I, I brought this up in, in having a similar discussion a, a couple of months ago with that speech class. Um, right before the presidential election, the Huffington Post ran a joke article, the title of which was, and I pulled it up so I could read this verbatim, Bernie Sanders could replace President Trump with a little-known loophole. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, so I was actually, I'm sorry, I guess this was this was right after the election. Um, and then, so you, you read, okay, let me read you like the first two paragraphs here. Here's exactly what we need to do to save our great society. The information here is what we've all been waiting for. By doing this, we can make Bernie the president on Inauguration Day rather than President-elect Trump. Actually, no, we can't. There is no loophole that allows a random person to assume the office of president. <laughs> That's pretty basic common sense, but yet you clicked or even shared this article anyway. <laughs> now, right there is the real point of this post. Mm -hmm. Our social media sites have been flooded with misinformation in the past few months. While this has always been a problem, it now appears to have exploded over this election season. We are seeing post after post stating just plain illogical things, and this is not a problem unique to any one side. And the 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 beautifully ironic thing about this was several of my friends on Facebook shared this article not in a joking manner. Yeah. Oh, oh, me too. Me too. In, pro in fact, probably our mutual friends, and but – uh, I'm sure, but that's and that's how it got to me. And I opened the article because I I read the headline and I thought, well, that's not a thing that can happen, right? I, yeah, and me too. I, and then I, you know, and I was and I was kind of angry. I was like, that's a that's a ridiculous article to put out. And then, you know, the 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 content, the rest of the content, of the article is great, talking about, you know, and they give you they they they, they give you some like five five quick steps to fight uh, misinformation. Yeah. The first one is read first, then share, which sounds like some pretty basic common knowledge. But I mean, I, I'm trying. I'm trying. I, I, I'm trying. I'm trying to verbalize what I'm thinking about this. But there's there's so much there's so much chaff on the internet. And yeah, that it's really hard. It's really hard to find the wheat. To, to use a uh, to use a Bible analogy there. There you um, go. Mm -hmm. do you, does that? Do you know what I mean? Uh, I, I do. I do. Um, 
and, and, and I, I, I can't. I and I'm 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 I, I'm trying really hard to come up with a intelligent solution. I was just about to say I, I have no solution for for. I this. have I have no solution for this. Um, and and the solution is definitely not unfriending and getting rid of the people that post things that are that are uh, that are contrary to your opinions right. or your beliefs. Um, which is a really reactionist and, and quick way to do that. You can, you know, you can like, really oh, easily yeah, groom just, your social media so that person. everyone agrees with you. And honestly, I don't know about you, but I get most of my news through social media. Oh, yeah. I mean, me too, aside from like my CNN and, uh, you know, BBC updates on my phone, that's that's pretty much where I get my news is on social media, um, which which is so, also yeah, super be... interesting. You know, the, this is the, sort of the first time that this has ever happened. That people are getting their news through, you know, this 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 medium. Yeah, and there's so much, and the, and and the, and the issue is, you know, if you're reading, if you're looking through the headlines on on the BBC News or the headlines on CNN, you know, these this is a, this is a place you go specifically for news. But if you're scrolling through Facebook, you're getting news articles, you're getting. Uh, ridiculous top-down cooking demonstrations. You're getting memes. You're getting you know people's vacation pictures all in one thing, and and then, and the same with Twitter. You know, Twitter is a little more focused and directed, but you know you've got all of these sort of greatly uh, differing forms of information coming together in this one platform. And I think that's ultimately detrimental to getting A, good information, and B, a good social group on a social network. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I really wish I had a solution for this. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm just as, uh, just as dumbfounded or... Uh, uh, Solutionless, you could say to to use a not. And, and I really, I <laughs> yeah, I mean, I try to, I try to, I not out of principle, but I just try to avoid posting news articles on my Facebook page. Right. Um. But I think it is. It's. Do you have any solutions as to you know this is this is a a, a big problem, and I think a lot of this will get sussed out as as we as a society start to figure out what the internet is for and what we're, what it works for and what it doesn't. Yeah. So, okay. This is also, you... um, I, I haven't actually watched, uh, I haven't actually watched this yet, but we should put it in show notes. Um, this, this Ted talk, uh, you just, you just broke HuffPost's first rule. <laughs> yes. Um, it is this uh, this TED talk about uh, you know how how the internet could crash and we need a, a plan B for it. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think we I think we uh, we got a glimpse of that when when Amazon's uh, servers were down for for a few hours a couple of weeks ago. Did you read about that? Were, were they down? I didn't know Amazon's. That. Uh, so a, a a a big part of Amazon's business is uh, server firms. So they have the uh, the Amazon the AWS the Amazon Web Service. Hmm. 
Um, and due to a mistake in some lines of code, uh, a bunch of servers on the East Coast got shut down, uh, including the server that ran the web page for Amazon to monitor their server banks. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, part of the internet was down for for like seven or eight hours because of this one missing line of code in the Amazon web server. Web server. That is terrifying. Um, yeah, and and one of the great things I I I cannot recommend on Twitter uh, the the Internet of Shit on Twitter, which is a, 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 a parody account for Internet of Things. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, they tweet about ridiculous things, but uh, someone who, who couldn't turn their, their stove off because it was Internet connected and the service ran through the Internet, ran through the Amazon Web Service. <laughs> and they couldn't turn their stove off because the Internet was down. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, it's a dismal future where we are uh, we're waltzing into here. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, one one big cyber attack uh, and and uh, the Internet and also all of civilization goes with it. So and that is that is kind of terrifying. Um, it's like. You know, I, I don't have, like, anyone's phone numbers really memorized or, like, it, it, you know, like, and it's, you know, that's, and that's part, but that, and that's, like, part of, you know, the internet is, like, contacting people and communicating with people and, you know, do, do cell phones go with that crash and, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it is. Going, uh, this is getting way too close to like a disaster preppers conversation. It is. We should stay away from that. We should stay away from that. We we don't want those listeners. No, no, stay away from <laughs> us. So yeah, I mean, I, I we, our 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 conversation about about uh, in, in internet news kind of fell apart there. Yeah, yeah, we we but, digressed I mean, really uh, quickly there. <laughs> we did we did digress really quickly. I mean, I think that's something that we should we should throw on a topic list and maybe consider a little deeper and and come back to at some point in the future. Yeah, we we should do some research on that, and I will actually watch this TED talk, and and you should too. And you can, should watch the TED talk, and, and, and then and we, we can, can put it in it. the we can put it in the show notes for the next episode, and we can talk about it. We can do we can do some follow up. Indeed. Um. Uh, and also, we are both continuing to uh, read the Poisonwood Bible. I read some more of that uh, this week, and I'm still loving it. It's uh, really interesting, really interesting writing. Yes, I uh, still have not started reading the Poisonwood Bible. I uh, am on my last. Gotta catch up. I'm on my last book of the semester for uh, my literature class. So, uh, so it's it's called Waterland by uh, Graham Swift, and it is. Really good, um, but I, I'm excited to get to to the Poisonwood Bible, which I'm, I'm hoping to get to next week. Uh, so we'll we'll see. And and I uh, and I apologize to the uh, to the listeners that we have not come to any conclusions about anything in the past forty eight. We've been we've been talking for forty eight minutes and we've come to no conclusions. We're we're sorry. That's that's the nature of of this whole thing. We're just talking for no yeah, good reason, you know. It's it's exactly right. We are we are not talking for answers. We're talking for for. We're no talking good to hear ourselves. It's masturbatory, really. Mm. And what beautiful voices we have! Yes.
Uh, well, uh, we would again, we would uh, we would love to hear from you if you are listening to the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Talking for No on Twitter, um, and we would love to hear feedbacks, comments, concerns, um, topics, praise, topics. Yeah, we 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 uh, we would love to hear anything from you guys. Um, whoever's out there listening. Um, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at, at Herman G. Phillips or on Instagram at HG Phillips. And uh, you can find me on both Instagram and Twitter at HappyDude1022. Uh, and we would love to hear from you there as well. Uh, so we will be back next week which will likely be the last episode for probably a month with uh, this lineup. Yeah, we're uh, going to have to bring in some some other hosts uh, in in our. We're going to bring in some. Uh, we're going to bring in some guests, uh, some guest, some guest co-hosts uh, in the coming weeks, so that we can put out an episode every week. Uh, specifically for May, and I think we'll be able to we'll be back to uh, to this lineup in June. You think that'll work out? Yeah, we we should definitely be on a on a regular schedule in June. Um, you know, uh, I'll be on West Coast time. You'll be on East Coast, but we'll figure it out. And, uh, and we will definitely figure it out. Yeah. So thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for listening, uh, and we will be back next week. Cheers, everyone. Good night. <laughs>